name's Arthur White. I'm a trustee of Tough Talk. Uh, and we are a group of men that travel around sharing our lives, but sharing what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. I think of the afternoon. If you've just joined us, my name is Ian. I'm part of this organisation, Tuckle. Tuckle travel the country going into prison, sharing about how they believe God is teaching us to give you the strength to turn your life around. We say, you know what, guys, there's mistakes we make in life. But for me, I found my strength through Jesus Christ. However, you found your strength to turn away from crime and darkness, is find it. You only get one shot of life, young men, and this is the kind of. We're back. Tough talk testimony Tuesday. How are we all? Hey Joe, you good? Yeah, very good. We got a special guest this evening. We are. This is going to, this is going to be incredible, mate. Um, we are excited. You introduce our guest, and um, we say hello to her. Yeah. So we have Emma Louise Heath in the house. How are you doing, Emma? I'm really well, thank you. Couldn't be better. It's great uh, to have hi. you with us. Hi, Emma. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. It's really great that we got you. Um, and uh, we're really looking forward to this guys if you're just tuning into this this is an exciting incredible powerful story of testimony that's just um, that shows the grace and the power of God so we're going to uh, listen to this over the next 10, 15 maybe 25 minutes or so uh, an incredible work as well that Emma does so uh, Joe do you want to kick us off brother? Yeah so for those that don't know Emma um, she is a trustee for a recovery course she, she works for a local charity in Bournemouth called Faithworks I believe and she's also founder and director of STAR, which stands for um, Steps to Active Recovery. And we're going to hear more about that in a minute. But it is so good to have you with us, uh, Emma. And it's nice to have a female on the show for Yay! once. So you, I think you are the first female on Tough Talk Testimony Tuesday. So hopefully there'll be more females involved in this. Yo, uh, sorry, Emma. I think... Emma's the first female we've ever had in anything we've done with Tough Talk. Well, I didn't want to say that because it sounded chauvinistic, but now you said it. <laughs> well, I heard in your intro and it says all about men. Well, I'm breaking the mould. I'm Come known on. for being quite bold, so. Sounds good to us. Well, you, you have done many talks in prisons and different things, so anyway, yeah. fantastic. Great to have you, Emma. No, you're welcome. So, Joe, where were we yeah. starting, brother? Well, I suppose we could start off. Emma, is there anything you just want to say before, you know, part of the intro? Maybe a little bit about, why don't you share about the um, the recovery courses and the faith works, things you're doing at the moment. And then I think what we'll do is we'll then just go back to the beginning where it all started. So just tell us yeah. about some of the things you're doing now. Well, to be honest, I never, ever expected to work in the addiction field at all. I was, um, my own journey, which we'll talk about in a bit, is going through addiction myself. And I was one of the few when I was in a rehab that said, I am never working in addiction. Most people wanted to be counsellors and different things. And I was like, no way at all. Um, but God's done um, something. He has that 
um, ability to completely flip things, doesn't he? And um, gosh, about six years ago, I got involved with the recovery course. I was in a church and I heard the gentleman talking who founded it. The recovery course is a a Christian um, course helping people with addiction. And um, just this light bulb moment happened for me where um, I'd always described addiction a bit like a hole in the soul. But for me, it's a cross-shaped hole that needs filling. And I used to keep my recovery and my journey with God quite separate and then suddenly like the two just came together in my heart and I knew in that moment that God was speaking to me and I I had this passion and we started running the recovery course here in Bournemouth it became the largest known recovery course um, in Britain and I had the privilege of being involved with it and seeing people coming in lives being transformed left right and center and people finding God and we've had over a thousand people on the course here in Bournemouth Um, And it became a real passion of mine. I love it so much. And in that, I started working with churches and a charity here in Bournemouth. And I saw how so many people want to help people, but they don't really know what to do. And it's been quite a painful journey, you know, that healthy frustration. And bit by bit, God has helped me to form an idea, um, which is about creating a standardization of how churches and organizations come together and run addiction work, which is how STAR has been born. Um, which is a brand new charity that's just about to sort of launch. We just launched pilots at the moment. And I also work for this amazing charity called FaithWorks. And that's been like a a wonderful training ground with an amazing group of Christian people. And it's just helped transform me as a person. And, you know, it's just just amazing. I, I I couldn't tell you, like when I first started on my journey of recovery 12 years ago, I couldn't be in a room with more than two people out of anxiety and I was so broken and now I get to talk in front of hundreds of people and do TV and stuff it's just just nuts absolutely nuts that's <laughs> awesome so this recovery course that you're involved in um a lot of people that, that come into it I take it that they're not Christians at the start or are they they're, they're all non-Christians are they it's for people of faith or no faith we don't you know there's no specifics um I've had it I had a group of Muslim guys come to a course once and even though a few of them sort of, you know, remained on their path in, you know, their Muslim path, it's one of them became a Christian, but it's, you can still draw from it, the spiritual Mm. principles, because it's all 12 step based. And the 12 steps of AA was originated from the Bible. So we just in the biblical comparisons and it's just amazing what, what happened. Yeah, I've got a good mate of mine, actually. He, he went through that process and he's come out the other end. He works in the city with me. Amazing story. And this, this, this recovery steps is just powerful, isn't it? These, these 12 yeah. steps. It's just, it's definitely God inspired. That's great. Oh, definitely, definitely. And anyone can do it, to be honest, not just recovery. When we say addiction, I talk about like compulsive behaviours and habits as well. It's not just your typical alcohol and drugs. It could be, I had a guy um, come that was addicted to biting his nails. And you might think that's really sort of naff, you know, but actually, you know, he said he went on, you know, his honeymoon with his wife and he literally couldn't enjoy his honeymoon because all he was thinking about was to go and bite his nails. Absolutely. And I'll get that. I've got a close friend of mine, actually. Um, Before he became a Christian, he used to bite his nails all the time. And that's one thing he said. He said to me, he said to me in a group recently, he said, you're going to think this is strange, guys, but I used to have a massive issue biting my nails. But when I gave it to Jesus... I don't bite my nails. He said, you don't understand how big that is for me. And I didn't. I don't think any of them does. But the fact that you've just shared that just yeah. now seems to link in. That's incredible. And then yeah. there was one other thing which I always say, and it, I, it was funny because I did this, I explained the example, and there was actually a lady doing that very thing in the audience. Um, and I went to see the recovery course running in London, and 
I was in putting this little women's group and we went around this group saying what the addiction was and everything. And there was this little old lady in the group and I remember like watching, thinking she must be someone's grandmother, you know, and it got to her and she said, oh Emma, I've got this um, habit and I'm broken by it. And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, and she said, you know, it's the first thing I do in the morning, the last thing I do at night, I spend all my money on it. I've been married to my husband for 50 years and he's thinking of divorcing me because of it. And by this point, I was out of my chair, like, what is it? And, um, and she was like, I'm addicted to cross-stitch. And I laughed, I was like, that's like knitting, like my nan used to do. And, but you could see the pain in her eyes. It was just heartbreaking. And it makes you realize it's not the actual substance wow. or the behavior. It's actually what it does to you inside. Mm -hmm. and that's, separates you from God and as well and it you know it's, it's amazing what God can do in all these situations he's amazing um Emma we, we want to take you down back in time um and here's some um, some of the past some of your past life that you probably it's not always uh, comfortable sharing but I'm asking you by God's grace if you do that today so just so we can see the power that, uh, of God that took you out of the despair you found yourself in. Um, but I know it all started very young. I mean, you were young when uh, you're, 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 and it wasn't just drugs and everything. It was also uh, an eating disorder and all that. Can you take us through that very early stage, Emma? Is that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, addiction began at the age of 11 for me um, with food and um, anorexia. Thankfully, I don't believe any of my history, but I do believe that, you know, life can throw things at you that make you sometimes more susceptible to going to substances or behaviours in order to cope with how you feel. And, you know, from a very young age, you know, my dad left when I was tiny. He left um, with another woman when I was 15 months old. And, um, you know, my mother gave us everything, me and my brother, but... I had this, I thought it was my fault. I, you know, I, I had this deep inner um, contempt towards myself and then it didn't help when I was bullied at school. And, and my way of coping at the time was to withhold food as a way of, it's ironic, isn't it? Because it's the one thing, it's coping, but it actually is destructive. And that began, I believe I had an addictive nature from a very young age. Um, and basically I, um, at the age of 11, I you know, did that. And then at 13, I found alcohol. And I was just off and running with alcohol. And it was just a really painful journey at first. It was actually fairly, um, you know, just sort of did it with all my friends um, socially and all that stuff. But then it turned its head as, as I got older and became a problem. So at that very young age, it was just sort of part of what everyone else was doing, I suppose. So you wouldn't yeah. have it as an issue or an addiction would you no and, and body image especially not just for girls we see it so much more in men as well you know nowadays as well but at that sort of young age where I was a little overweight and I was bullied for being podgy and you know I had freckles and all this stuff and you know people were just mean and also not having a dad around I got bullied by a few people about not having a dad and it just pounded to make me feel really worthless and useless and um that inner hatred to myself grew and grew to the point where I just wanted to block out that by turning to other things. And alcohol was the thing that kind of gave me confidence, made me forget about what other people thought. Um, and and it, it sort of served its purpose until it, it got more and more to the point where um, I, I was really well educated, you know, I, it's 
that's the thing with addiction. I've never met anybody that chose that path. And also it doesn't discriminate against, you know, it's not just your part bench drinkers and people that have had really awful upbringings. You know, I was, I had everything I needed, just had a few difficulties. And before I knew it, alcohol became everything to me. It became the best friend. And, you know, to the point where I went to university um, and I was a heavy drinker then. I think alcoholism was already already bubbling away, but I didn't see it because in that kind of environment with so many young people just partying and all that stuff, it, it would just became everything. And I, you know, <laughs> ironically, well, that's, I, I that's the incredible thing about alcohol, really, is yeah. that you can you can live with it for a long time, can't you? Because you can, especially when you're young and you've got yeah. all that partying going on and and everyone's drinking, it, it's hard yeah. to recognise it actually. You've got a problem there. It, it probably Definitely. when do you? I mean, at that stage, you wouldn't have recognised that, would you? Or not at all, not at all. My friends used to say you drink a lot. I mean, I even went out. I used to go out a lot with the Welsh rugby team and different. Um, I used to love every sport going because it was a way of disguising my addiction. Um, and I used. But I remember one time the Welsh rugby captain. Um, we were out on a night out, and he said to me, "Gosh, Emma, don't you think you drink too much?" To most people, being with a group of guys at the time that were big drinkers, you probably take stock and that but I actually I was like yay I you know um and I just carried on I just carried on got myself into really nasty situations but I just laughed it off all the time and put it down to oh it's just one of those things I didn't realize I had a problem you you're at you're at university and you you, 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 you then it's just a drinking culture and everything but then you've obviously tried to get a job later on and so was you able to hold down jobs and things like that at this stage or um, I, well, when I finished university, this is the, the hilarious thing about me choosing my degree and I didn't know I had a problem. I went to the university and I literally, they offered me all these different degrees and I, I got off of business studies and I thought that's too clever. I got offered, um, sports recreation. I thought that was too energetic. And then they offered me hospitality management and I didn't really know what it meant. And, and the, the, you know, the tutor said to me, well, there's wine tasting on Friday. You couldn't have seen me sign up to a degree quicker because of that decision. And I didn't know I had a problem. So I was doing hospitality management as a degree. So I was learning all about drink and food and things like that, which are the two things I've always had a problem with. And then when I left university, this is where my um, addiction head took me. I thought it'd be a really great idea to run nightclubs abroad which is probably not the best decision for someone like myself. So that was almost like a, a ready-made pathway to my alcoholism getting a lot worse. So I went off to Turkey, ran nightclubs out there for like three years. And um, the carnage, I just took that carnage with me and it just escalated to the point where um, at my worst, I was drinking about two litres of vodka a day. I was wow. able to do jobs, but not well. You know, um, I, I kind of... At one point, I was a functioning alcoholic, but then it got to the point when I was just drinking, you know, neat vodka, just wanting to die. That I was. And that picture, and that picture you sent to us, Emma, the one I'm going yeah. to show now, was that about that sort of period? Yeah, well, I got into recovery 12 years ago, and this is um, a picture. This is the day I went into um, a treatment centre for the very first time at a rehab in Wiltshire. And, you know, in all honesty, I look at that picture, and, you know, I was a mess. I. I look older there than I am now, you know, I'm 41 now. Um, and I know it's not all about the physical, but I just, I was broken. I, the only thing I really knew at that point was my name. I had no relationship with God anymore. I'd pushed him aside. 
I, you know, I didn't know what I liked. If you'd have asked me what food I liked, what color I liked, anything, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. Alcohol was just everything. Is that I, picture I on the like, sorry? Is that picture on the screen? Just making sure everyone can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Go. Um, so Emma, you, this is wow. this is how many years ago? That's twelve years ago. Yeah, I was um, twenty-eight years old. Yeah, you look about twenty years older than what you do now, don't you? I mean, the pain—you can see the pain in your eyes as well. You look lost, and um, and there is a a hole inside those eyes, isn't it? You know, the Bible says that the eyes are window to the soul, don't they? And um, you can see you just look in pain there. Um, yeah. That was just prior to going into recovery. Uh, that was actually in the rehab I went into. They take your mug shot just to show you the difference, just in six weeks of being in there. Um, um, and you, you obviously, um, I've obviously suffered at that point. You've been suffering with it for a number of years. Yeah. How long was it when you really recognised you had an issue? Because you know why I'm saying that is because a lot of jobs, a lot of people can have, especially with alcohol, they can, they can, they can blag it for years, can't they? You know, um, yeah. especially if you're working in the nightclub industry or the pubs or the, if you're even up in the city and stuff, you know, it's a, you can drink all day, can't you? And it's part of your. To be I think I knew when I was at university, so sort of, you know, about 20 years old, I think I knew I had a problem and I wasn't drinking like everyone else. And, you know, the, the pain inside was getting more and more and the consequences were getting more and I was hurting more people, but I was hurting myself. And I think for, yeah, so for about eight years, it carried on and I wanted help, but I didn't know how to get it. Or I tried and then, you know, I, I fell back and it used to baffle me so much because I, I, I meant it with my whole heart. I'd wake up in the morning after, you know, causing chaos and I'd mean it with my whole heart that I didn't want to do it. And then I'd be baffled when I found myself with a drink in my hand again. And that's the cunning thing about addiction, the powerlessness around it. It's just so, it's, it's too much sometimes for people. You know, and that's why when people say to people, oh, can't you just stop? Or you're such a nice girl, this doesn't suit you. You haven't got any control by that point when you're dependent on these things, you know? So... I don't want to break from your testimony. I want to keep getting to that point of what happened. Um, but it might be people listening that are in that situation now. Um, it must have been very difficult to have gone to that rehab. And part of um, people, you have to get to a point where you've got to really want to surrender it and not do it, I suppose. Yeah, it's a bit like um, in recovery, like about seven years ago, I found out I had cancer, very early stages of cancer. And at the time I was smoking. And I gave up like that because oh. someone had told me to stop. And then the day I got the all clear, like about nearly two years later, I started again wow. um, because it wasn't from my heart. It was because someone had told me. And then not long after that, I knew I had to stop properly. And it was, you know, I, I had applied the 12 steps into that situation and brought God right into the center of stopping smoking. And, and it was sustainable because it came from a desire that I had, not from someone telling me. It's like when, you know, people give up things because of circumstances. It's very, very harder to actually keep that going unless you're, you're committed to it yourself as well. You know. So when you walked into that drug rehab um, twelve years ago, you, you had you got to that point where you, you knew you had to something had to happen, or you, you I'm not, I'm not going to be horrible aware, but you probably wouldn't be alive today if no. you'd have carried on they they were phenomenal I'll be honest you know and and I was nudged a bit by my mother she's a she's a pharmacist and through the pharmaceutical society they helped me um to be able to pay for it because these places there's they're so thin and far between 
you know, in order to get this rehab and treatment like residential, and it's getting less and less. And, um, you know, I was really blessed that I got given a charity bed there um, for the six week program. And actually, I would have only done six weeks had it not been for my roommate leaving a week early with her drug dealer and dying. So I got her place to then go to London to carry on my journey, you know, and um, it, there's so many people that don't get that opportunity. I feel incredibly blessed that I was able to go into that. But by going into that treatment centre, I literally, you know, I was I didn't know who I was, like I said, and but I was so unbelievably blessed because it was a 12 step treatment centre, which, you know, they worked that programme of Alcoholics Anonymous and brought God into the centre. Um, had it have been another treatment centre, you know, for me, putting down the substance is the start. And then it's about what you do. How do you fill that life? And for me, it's only through God. And I am so unbelievably grateful that it was a, a spiritual treatment centre that I got. Yeah, you, you did the 12 steps. A lot of people might not know much about that, but we can talk a little bit about that at the end. And, yeah. um, and you, they have a higher power. So you had a faith when you was young. And you connected that to back to Jesus. Is that how it happened for you? Yeah. So the, the 12 step program, they talk about higher power because it's a spiritual concept. But for me, I knew who my, you know, higher power was and it's Jesus. Um, but I felt so disconnected when I went into, into this rehab, that I was able to gradually start that journey of reconnecting with my faith. And the beautiful thing is I see how God's been through my life all through it it wasn't just that he wasn't there when I was in addiction he was so there because he kept me alive and, and and has helped me through so many difficult situations and you know bit by bit that's the beautiful thing I was able to start that relationship so Emmy you've gone through this rehab and you're now you're you're you're, you're walking along and things are going well but I know yeah. that's not the end of the story because I know you had a <laughs> I know you had a kind of a, 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 a you know whatever you would relapse relapse isn't it yeah so um what happened what, what went wrong what 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 occurred i took my eye off the ball you can get so complacent with um recovery that's that's the thing and i see it so many times with people is that they start dropping out the things that work for them um and to be honest i got a little bit um i got really complacent and it got to the point where i i stopped doing the things that are life-giving in order to for my recovery you know meetings and support and things like that thinking I I it, Emma could do it on her own strength and actually I wasn't as connected to God at that time um it's almost like he got me sober and then I was like oh okay I'm okay now I don't need you and that's the thing I turned my back on him um and myself and the things that were working and before I knew it um a drink seemed a sensible idea and I picked up a drink for two weeks uh, back almost eight years ago um, and in those two weeks I you know I literally I smashed my car again I lost my driving license I ended up on probation I broke my foot I got banned from an off license in the heart of where I live which is unheard of because they usually sell crack behind the counter so you know it was I don't know what I did it was just a, a really crazy situation but actually it broke me so much like the physical um, emotional but the most important thing for me was it broke me spiritually because I just was so broken and I, I came back and I just went to an AA meeting but I also went to some close people I knew and said I actually need some help and that for me it was the hardest thing to do but the strongest thing I've ever done because I had two paths I could have either carried on and I would not be here now I know that or I had to ask for help 
and that's kind of my message to anyone watching this that is feeling that broken is actually asking for help trusting that god will put the right people in your path and accessing as much help as you can get and that that was my story um but for me there was a pinnacle moment um that i knew at that point that i needed god to be the center of my recovery not just something i dip into and cherry pick and talk about in meetings he had to be everything and the rest would all fit into place and then you know six weeks later i was given an amazing opportunity where something quite amazing happened um emma yeah i i know i want to hear that in one second but i yeah. do think just before we talk about that i think that everyone in their lives no matter if they're addicted or whatever god keeps knocking on the door of their hearts and um and often we might let him in a little bit and and he gets us on our journey again but really he's looking for a total surrender so i think listening to that it was your kind of born again making jesus little kind of moment um but yeah please take us to this next it's, encounter it's funny you say that because just before we started this talk i was looking up at my wall um and i've got this um whiteboard and on it i wrote a bible verse the other day and it's from Hosea and it's God is the only one who will make a valley of trouble into a door of hope. And I believe that, you know, he's the one that will help us to open the door into a different life. You know, we can do all these different things. And I love, you know, I love the recovery course. I love all the things, the practical things. But actually, God is the only answer. And when we have him, the rest slots into place. Um, but yeah, so six weeks after my last drink so on the 12th of the 12th of the 12th i'll remember it because it's quite an easy date to remember i'm not good at remembering things but that day i will never forget and i before i drank um that time i'd actually um trying to do the right thing and i actually planned a holiday um for myself and my mother to iceland and i have to reiterate now it was iceland the country not the shop not the frozen food store because one day i did this story and someone came up to me after and said that's really cheap for them to take your mom to iceland the frozen food store so the place and we'd been to iceland and and we still went even though i was really fragile and we had the most beautiful mother and daughter time she's been a rock to me throughout my whole journey and um, there she is she's just uh we even share the same birthday she's just phenomenal she's she's seen she's been through helen back that lady and working as a pharmacist, working with um, people in addiction all her life, and then both her son and daughter end up in addiction um, is heartbreaking, but she's, she's amazing. And anyway, we've been on holiday and we were back at my place in Bournemouth. And um, basically she was, we were getting up for the day, ready to go. Um, she was about to drive back to Wales. And basically she just fell down on the floor and I thought she just slipped over. And then I, she suddenly started turning gray. There was all this noise coming from her that was like nothing I've ever experienced. And, and she actually had a sudden cardiac arrest um, in front of me. And it was, I can't explain, your body goes, you just start going into coping mechanism. And I got the paramedics on the phone straight away. You know, she's literally, it's like nothing you see in casualty. Um, it was just crazy and I was living in a shared house at the time and there was a girl there who was also six weeks sober for the very first time and she'd just done her CPR training and it was her birthday so she wasn't at work she would have been at work otherwise and the funny thing is the day before I was talking to her about how God you know positions people in the right time you know exactly the right place at the right time and she was there and we both went into my mum who's lying on the floor you know you can literally hear the air leaving her body and everything 
ever been. And um, we just got on to doing CPR on my mum. You know, I could hear her ribs cracking. It was it was horrific. And the paramedics performer, they took eight minutes to get to us. And in that time, it's exhausting. You know, it's not like your sort of CPR training. It's, you know, the reality of it. And all I knew what to do at this time was to say the serenity prayer. Um, which is the prayer that we use um, in the fellowships, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I kept just saying it over and over again, and um, in between doing the work of my mum, and then the paramedics came in, and they just took over, and they literally, you know, it was just chaos, you know, injections, and ripping off clothes, and, and they got the paddles, you know, and, and they started shocking my mum's heart, and they, they did it probably six or seven times, and all I could do was stand back and watch, and in this crazy situation, this peace just fell. It was like nothing I've ever, ever experienced. And I could visibly see this person in the room with us. And, you know, I realized that was Jesus there in that situation. It was like, you know, I know it sounds a bit airy-fairy to some people probably watching this, but for me, it was, it was so peaceful. It was just he was there. And when the paramedic that was in charge of the you know, the defibrillator turned around to me with these paddles in his hands and he looked me in the eyes and he just said, I'm so sorry, we can't do anymore. And I literally just, this exchange happened and I looked him in the eyes and I just said, please can we try one more time in this really calm voice. (laughs) And he literally just turned around, shot my mum's heart one more time and she started coming to life. Um, So I'm seeing my mum starting to come into life in front of me and I mean, it was touch and go. We, we rushed down to the hospital and, you know, they were just amazing, the paramedics and everybody. And, and yeah, she's alive to tell the tale. And you know what the first words she said to me after a couple of days when she came out of the, the you know, the state she was in, she just looked at me and she went, Emma, I'm powerless. Mm. And she's such a woman of faith. And, you know, in that moment, we just understood each other. And that's a bit like addiction, you know, two people leading very different lives but they have this inner commonality and that that's why people with addiction helping others with addiction through their story you know it's powerful and and she's just I was able to be a daughter again you know and I know that's a really extreme situation but I was able to just love her back to life and be her carer and help her and and you know we grew stronger through it and she she wrote a, a program to help people affected by addiction now, which is a national program. And she believes she was called for a time such as this, you know, and her health's not good, but, but she's a fighter. Um, and it's, you know, like I've got my mum back, you know. Well, Emmy, it's a powerful, Joe, that is a powerful story. Mm. I do love um, supernatural stories. I know that some people don't get it and they probably switch off at that point and think, what's that part about? But Joe and me have both had encounters and experiences and can relate to that. And uh, he, he is there. Um, you don't I'll know. be honest, I, I used to kind of get a bit scared by when people said they've actually visibly seen things or heard things. But actually in that moment, it, it was so perfect timing. And since then I've had in different, different situations, but I've actually seen Jesus walking with me in things. And, and he only gives us what we can handle, True. you know, and I don't think I'd have been able to handle that. If it hadn't have been such an extreme situation, he's been just such a rock to me and a friend. He is, he is the Prince of Peace, isn't he? So I, I get the whole feeling of peace in, when you should yeah. have been everything but peace. And um, But, you know, like, um, we want to talk uh, very briefly again about your work and how people can support you and get in touch and all that. But 
uh, maybe you're listening to this and you've heard Emma's story and um, you, you know, you're in that place. Maybe you've not even got an addiction, but you just think, you know, Jesus, if Jesus is real, I want some of that because I know I've heard you say, I don't know if you said it in that interview uh, about the, like a hole in your soul and um, yeah. you, you know, that needed to be filled with the cross. Is that right? And um, Yeah. I always used to describe it like I had a hole in the soul, but then for me, it's a cross shaped hole that needed filling. And I believe that we're all on a path of recovery. We all mess up, we all sin, we all get things wrong. And whether it's as, as extreme or as obvious as addiction, I believe that, you know, and I know that, that God is the answer to all of our sorrows, all of our pains, all of our hurts. And like you say, if anyone's watching this and want a bit of this, it's so easy and simple and we don't need to complicate it. Well, uh, um joe often says don't you joe that the, you you always use that is it a song a song isn't it um, remind me brother um, yeah <laughs> it's robbie williams isn't it um there's a hole in my soul you can see it in my face it's a real deep place um i'm trying to think what the name of the song was but you um, can see you can see that in that photo of emma yeah Grimes. you can you, you, you can totally you can totally maybe you're see out there it. right now listening to this you don't know why you're listening but you've got that same lostness that same whole it, it, it's a bit of a cliche but jesus christ is the one that can make you complete and whole mm. um it's a matter of just recognizing that you're you're not perfect and and that in that weakness he comes and becomes one with you joe uh before we talk about emma's work i want to i want to just pray for anyone right now joe could you lead someone could you lead someone who's listening to this um, wherever they are, whoever they are, um, maybe they've got an addiction, maybe they've got just a lostness, they know they need Jesus. Can we just say a quick prayer and we're going to say a minute of that, Joe? Is that okay? Yeah, cool. So, yeah, as, as you heard Emma's story, you know, uh, addiction is real, strongholds are real, but Jesus Christ comes to set you free, wants to set you free uh, from all of your hurts, from all of your past. But what you've got to do to receive that is you've got to surrender your life to Him. You've got to turn away, so that's turning 180 degrees away, recognizing that you can't do it in your own strength and putting your trust and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he says that he'll be with you and in you. Uh, and it's a surrender. It's recognizing that he is the only way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. Nobody comes to him except through me. Um, so it's a step of faith. So I'm going to say this prayer. And if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, and have the peace of God in your heart that only he can truly give, then say this prayer uh, with me, and at the end we'll, we'll say uh, amen. So if we just all bow our heads and pray for a second. Say this prayer uh, with me, and at the end we'll say amen. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all the things that I've done wrong. Things that I didn't realise were sinful. But Lord, your word says, even calling your brother a fool, you're in danger of hell's fire. Lord, I recognize that my standards aren't your standards. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I surrender my life to you this very moment. That you'll come in and live with me. And me with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you have prayed that prayer, and it's incredible what God has done for Emma, but contact us. I can send you one of these. This is Christ the Bodybuilder. Just email me at admin at tough-talk.com and you can get one. It's free of charge. If you've prayed that prayer, you want to discover your faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Emma, Joe, it's been emotional. It's been fantastic listening to that. I know we've got... Um, some pictures of Emma, of some of the stuff she's doing now. And yeah, I do. And all that. I Maybe Emma, felt, you know, as you were praying as well, if 
there's any girls out there that maybe don't want to speak to a guy, they can contact, you know, Tough Talk and I'll willingly help chat them through as well because sometimes that is a bit scary, you know, um, just so you know. Fantastic. We'll put any girls your way, Emma. So this is you training now, Emma? Yeah, I love my Thai boxing. I love, like, you know, punching things in a good way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, health is really important. And I, I actually had an addiction to exercise one. So it's about doing everything in moderation. You're right, um, you're right. I love keeping fit and, um, you know, I love my gym. Yeah. And we've got a picture of you. Ah, oh, look, there's me and you at a conference, wasn't it? Oh, let's go yeah. back, sorry. Where, where? You, and I see you got that the was a recovery course conference where Fantastic. Ian came and spoke and I was speaking as well which is brilliant it's so good to sort of journey with you guys and I'm going to do a few road trips with you next year when brilliant. this that's is the plan. that's the yeah. plan and Joe Wells we got there what's, what's, it, what's this one well it's funny because this was taken um outside the Hillsong conference I think many years ago and um, bearing in mind, I've just set up a charity called Star, and it's a, a five-prop star is my logo at the charity. Um, it's just funny how God is already at work in things. Wow. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, that's just fun. There's mum. That's my mum. Yeah, I love her. And who else we got here? Uh, and you also you were on TBN not so long ago, is that right? Yeah, we did a 15-session series just before Christmas, which was shown every Saturday evening. Myself, that's Justin Reese larkin the CEO of the Recovery Course, and we work side-by-side side, um, promoting the Recovery Course. And it was amazing just to be asked onto television. It's like nothing I've ever experienced before. And I'm actually talking on TBN again on Friday. Um, and, it, yeah, it's just just crazy, you know. Brilliant. What I, times are on Friday? Can you just give us? Give I us think a we're doing the recording a bit like this, and then they're playing gotcha. it. After. I'll, I'll let you know, and then let us know, and we can post it on the Tough Talk uh, webpage. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, Emma, if anyone wants to contact you um, to know anything about helping getting on a course or anything like that, or setting up maybe a recovery course, what's the best way of getting hold of you? And, and, and um, they can contact me actually through the new website about Star, which is info at starrecovery.org. Um, or if it's about the recovery course, it's emma at recovery2two.org as well. Um, so the two, or just look up the recovery course online and there's a web page. Joe, um, have you got that picture again of Emma just before she went into recovery? Yeah. I just want to finish with this fault for people. Yeah. Can, I do you, can I tell you about my story about fathers as well before we finish? Go on, go on. Why he's finding that picture, tell us about fathers. When I was younger, when addiction took hold, I used to blame everybody and everything. And I used to say, if you had the parents I had, no wonder you'd turn out like me. And that was because my mum was a pharmacist. And my, my dad had a connection and worked for Guinness, the drink. Um, but he left when I was tiny, 15 months old. And I'll be honest, for anyone struggling with the whole concept of faith, you know, for me, I just want to say it wasn't like I suddenly became a Christian and everything was rosy and I just got it. It's been a really ongoing journey. Um, and so God reveals things at different times, at just the right times. And, and a year ago, I, I, um, I realized that I was holding on to a little bit of a, an issue in regard to not understanding God as my father, because I've never had an earthly father figure. I've never had like, you know, positive male role models in my life. And, and I had the opportunity to go to Ireland and turn up on my dad's doorstep, bearing in mind, you know, he hasn't seen me since I was 15 months old. And he, when I, I contacted him about 10 years ago and he disowned me again, he didn't want to know. Um, 
And I literally turned up not knowing if he was alive, dead or whatever. But I realized I had this deep unforgiveness still festering in my heart. And until we clear all these things, this is a bit like what the recovery course does. It helps us to not necessarily look at the actual addiction, but why we're, we are what we are and why we hold on to this hurt and this pain. And I turned up on this doorstep in Ireland, this beautiful house overlooking a lake. And I realized it was his house because my surname was on the doorbell. And I pressed the doorbell and this man came to the door and it was my dad. Um, and I literally was able, I was praying before, and this is, God gave me the strength to do these things. And I was able to look him in the face and say, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure why I'm here. It's not to hurt you, but what all I want to do is to say that I forgive you. Um, and in that moment, you know, I was able to just forgive this person that I realized had been impacting my life, even though I'd never even knew them. And my life has changed so much just since Christmas. And people might be watching this thinking I've got it all together. I haven't. I'm still broken. I'm still a work in progress. Addiction is still an ongoing battle. However, with God as my saviour and my, you know, everything, I can get through everything. And that's what he has on offer for anyone watching this today. Amen. Amen. No, fantastic. Joe, you got that picture? So, listen, guys, that's what the devil can do. He can take a young girl and... Um, just give despair and the hope and Adrian and just, I mean, Emma would have been dead, but Jesus Christ, if we flip back to see Emma, Joe, there are, Emma's alive. She's looking great. She's healthy. That's what Jesus Christ can do. Guys, um, it's been fantastic. Thank you, uh, Emma. Um, I'm looking You're forward welcome. to stuff again in the future with you. Joe, it's been privileged seeing you again, brother. And, yeah, it's an, and final Bible verse from Emma. What's your favorite oh, Bible verse? Bible verse from Emma. Yeah. Got to be Isaiah 61. I've even got it on my finger. Oh, oh, oh wow. Um, because it's like the banner that I use. You know, God can set the captives free, um, restore people from the ashes into beauty, you know, and and it's just beautiful. And you can, I, I think the biggest thing is that your story speaks volumes and everybody has a story. And you don't have to be all tough and butch. I realized that when I went into Pentonville Prison last year. I could just be gentle and God can use every single person's story for the good and what the enemy turns for evil, he will turn into good and turn battles into blessings. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Bless you. And uh, that's Tough Talk Tuesday. Uh, pretty much wrapped up, Joe. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Emma. And we'll see you guys uh, next Tuesday for Tough Talk Tuesday with another special guest. So uh, uh, keep looking at the Facebook page. And God bless you all. Stay safe.